you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. The Around the League Podcast. Loves Priyanka. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. My name is Dan Hensis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes. Chris Wessling, Mark Sessler, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. What is up? This, uh, I'll tell you what's up. A lot of buzz. <laughs> a lot of buzz after what happened on Monday's show. Greg Rosenthal swiping the toaster away from Chris Wessling. The photo evidence was posted on Twitter of the the toaster changing hands. And now we live in a different world than the one we woke up on Monday. I mean, I mean, and let's just go over some things. Mark, you've noticed it. We've all noticed it. Twitter, people are tweeting at us a lot of reaction. Yeah, I mean, and we have encountered, Dan, you and I in the office, just a frosty sort of fallout. Mm-hmm. And a lot of ugliness, and we're and we're reading about it from listeners that I think that a lot of them just shell shocked by what happened. And yeah, some yeah, some quick uh, a rundown of what we've been seeing. Um, one hashtag I saw, saw out there: a lot of like heat toward Greg, which maybe. And Mark, I know you've gone to the fence for your boss on this a lot uh, that Greg doesn't deserve, maybe. But a lot of people are taking out their frustrations on. Greg stealing the toaster on Greg himself. Hashtag Twitter boogeyman was something I saw. <laughs> um, one one listener started a White House petition to get the toaster back to Wes or to bring the game back. I'm not sure. To which bring the game back. To bring the game back. Uh, one listener said that uh, he started shouting Al Grow while he was washing his dishes. <laughs> the question, of course, that Wes got wrong that ultimately cost him the toaster. Um and uh, his wife was looking at him, and how was it described? Well, I think she was confused slash a little bit sad for him as a person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One listener had to press pause before the competition started because the emotion had overwhelmed him. Chills, he said. Uh, chills. There was a listener that sent the picture of the toaster changing hands to the uh, website Historical Pictures. Um, another listener asked Greg if uh, he will be reenacting the fax machine scene from Office Space on the toaster. Where it's bashed mm. uh, to bits. I like that option. Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. 
good to have a toaster. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one one listener wrote that uh, he started chanting, "This is bull <laughs> after Greg won, and he used the hashtag West Can't Die. And then, strangely, this is one of my favorites, just for the randomness randomness of it. Uh, one listener said that this was Greg Rosenthal's snow dog, snow dog moment, <laughs> referencing uh, how Cuba Gooding Jr. I guess hit his peak uh, with Jerry Maguire, and then Snow Dog was the beginning of the end. I think. I think what he's saying is the hubris that maybe Mr. Gooding displayed in his Oscar speech when he's on top of the world mm-hmm. to be followed by the worst decisions of his career. So this right now would be my peak, and I'm going to blow it. The and- thing. Well, sorry. Go on, Dan. No, go ahead. Well, it, I, I think what's lost, if we were to look at this as a competition as it was, is that Greg is being viewed as someone that came in and maybe in a controversial way that's convoluted, snatched this out of... It. Wes was at his peak. Mm. He beat a Wesleyan at his peak who came off what I think were two of his best victories ever, back-to-back barn burners, Greg came in and won fair and square. That's where I have an issue that he's treated as if he <laughs> pulled some lever to you know to yank this away. He did win fair and square. I think the listeners are a little bit exasperated because Greg has made it known all along that he did not like the game and would like to put it out of its. Uh, it's it's not really and, a miserable game, but he would like to put the show to bed. And I have a direct <laughs> quote from Greg yesterday while sitting downstairs. Uh-oh. What is this? Why would I want a rematch? Was his direct quote. Yeah. What so do I we're get not out even of it? sure it's happening. Gold standard astutely uh, put a rule into effect that Greg has to challenge someone within six me- months or vacate the toaster. So all these things are happening right a, there now. There is a new plot twist here. Greg told his wife about this magical oh, toaster. Oh, that's true. And she is fascinated by it. Mm, that she, helps us. She's very... In, well, I don't know if it does, Dan. She be, wants it. She <laughs> is interested in this toaster. She had never heard of the game Win Wes's Toaster. Shocking that she hadn't listened. <laughs> Not plugged in. That's absurd. <laughs> and so I explained it to her. At first, she thought it was ridiculous. But then when I told her the details of this mm-hmm. toaster... Mm-hmm. She was very intrigued. And she said, you know, we should have that. Can't we just keep <gasps> that? Can't we just keep the toaster? So- it is the yin and the yang of the game, though. We had a people's champion in Wes, and in fact, the game was named after Wes, so that's a tad tricky. Mm-hmm. But we now have a villainous king, perhaps, <laughs> mm-hmm. sitting on the throne. Joffrey. This is a Joffrey scenario. You, got, you asked for, for Game it. of Thrones fans. Be careful what you wish for. I wasn't really that into taking him on. Well, you got what you wanted. One last thing. My yes. favorite hashtag... Greg the Grinch of WWT.com. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And what, one more thing, Wes, Riverboat Ron, you were, there was a Riverboat Ron reference mm. to you passing on the final question to win on a tiebreaker, hopefully with time, and you played it a little conservative, and someone said that you were pre-Riverboat Ron by making that decision. It was actually the opposite. This was an aggressive tactic by me, knowing that I didn't have the answer. To pass and try to win on the tiebreaker. Mm. I would not have gotten the answer regardless of how many minutes you gave me. All right. So as you know, this is still a very sensitive, touchy topic around the office, and and the listeners really reacted to it in a visceral way. So uh, hopefully Greg will keep the game going. I've never... We haven't gotten a fraction of the amount of responses for any of our shows as this one. (laughs) My, My Twitter account has been blowing up since. It's great. And you wanted to get rid of the show? Well, it's still up, he has at, the power still up right in the there. air. Visionary. All right. Uh, big show today. <laughs> big show today. A uh, huge show almost. Uh, we're going to discuss the Making the Leap series for the Around the League 
which we hope you you read around the league. I know you listen to it, guys, and we and girls, and we're we're very happy that you do. But a lot of great content on the website, right, boss? Well, by the numbers, there are countless more people that actually read us than listen to the podcast. So I would. You know, tell all those people reading, you should be listening to our podcast. I like that you Unfortunately, said, they can't hear us right now. You said by the numbers, <laughs> and then you said countless, which they, that seems to be <laughs> in mysteries of the earth. <laughs> anyway, so we're going to get into we We've revealed two more players on our list, our top 25 list. Uh, we are going to get into something that Chris Wessling wrote about Peyton Manning and uh, and whether his... His window is closing, and maybe some other players who are up against it as we enter the 2014 season in a segment that I'd like to call window addressing. Window dressing? Window addressing? Addressing the window? (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) But before any of that, we have a man behind the glass who is, this is it, folks. This is the final show of the gold standard era on the Around the League podcast, he he is here one last time. Zach Goldman, how are you, buddy? Doing great. Bit sad, but great. Yeah, this is a, it's a happy moment because the Gold Center is moving on to better things, but also, you know, we're going to miss you, buddy. Hey, you two guys. Let's do a, a nice show to, to round out the era. All right, well, I like it. As long as you're plugged in, we did notice, you know, you were a little late coming up here. You got your FIFA shirt on. It's a little bit of senioritis creeping in. <laughs> that, was right. good, that was a good analogy. I went off campus for lunch today. Wow. Yeah, it's and, like uh, the guy that took his SATs yep. that yeah. he cannot I'm already going out. to Dartmouth, Dan. He's, he's been accepted <laughs> to Dartmouth, and now it's just a matter of it's a, you know, CTC. Cut the check. <laughs> just got to pick out my, my cummerbund for prom. Exactly. Super excited. All right, let's do some news one let's, last time. Let's do it. I'm going to miss that. Let's do it. The Atlanta Falcons defense is uh, already uh, potentially going to be one of the shakier units in the NFC, and they got some more bad news. On Tuesday, the team announced that linebacker Sean Weatherspoon will miss the entire 2014 season after suffering a torn Achilles at practice. Uh, Weatherspoon uh, has dealt with injury issues for the past three years. He missed a bunch of last season with a foot and a knee issue. Now he blows his Achilles and even... Worse for him is that this is in his contract year, so he's at a he's at a crossroads, and the Falcons are in trouble. It, uh, this seems like it kind of flew a bit under the radar, like it didn't make major news, but could have been the timing. It was late, late Tuesday, and the Tuesday fact night. that he's been kind of billed as the Falcons' best defensive player for half a decade now, but missed most of last season was kind of underwhelming the year before that, and with them moving to a three-four base defense. There was kind of a question about what his role would be. He's always been an outside linebacker in the 4-3. He was expected to shift inside on early downs and then play back outside on on late downs. So I I think there was some question about how much they were going to count on him this year. It's a shame, though. He is 27 years old now. He's now losing two straight seasons right in the very prime of his career. He only played seven games last year because of injuries. Now he misses all of this year. I think he was the best player on that defense. Uh, we did making the leap a couple of years ago in 2012. That was the first time we did it. Sean Weatherspoon was my pick that year, and I thought he already was at a top 10 uh, linebacker level in terms of 4-3 linebackers, very versatile. I wrote about him a couple times that year ahead of their playoff games, and he was a guy that could do everything. And I think if you were picking one guy out of that defense still today, he would have been the guy if he was healthy, and now they've lost him. Yeah, I guess the only upside would be that 
you're losing him here versus late August. There's time to prepare someone else for the role. But I don't care what team you root for at some point this year something's going to body rock you from an injury per, an angle that's going to change the way you think about your t- your team. Well, su- and oh. it kept it kept changing for the Falcons last year. No team had worse injury luck. So they have to feel a little bit like the Cowboys who have already suffered a huge season-ending injury where their their injury luck is starting off bad this year just like last year. And we're going to work under the assumption that Julio Jones will be back and healthy and Roddy White will be uh, a semblance of his old self. So you assume the Falcons will be able to score points even without Tony Gonzalez, but you know this has the feel of them losing a lot of you know thirty-four to twenty-eight games this year, doesn't it? I wouldn't. I really don't think that Weatherspin was that integral to their new defense. If this was last year or the year before, it would seem like a much bigger blow. If you he's in, he's entering a contract year, and if you look at what they did in the draft, the guys they drafted, I don't think they were going to try to re-sign Sean Weatherspin. They do not have a mm-hmm. lot of good linebackers, though. I mean, who who are their good linebackers? Corey Bierman. You know, they might be starting Akeem Dent, O.C. Umanura, Jonathan Massaquad, a bunch of Paul Warlow and Joplo Bartu, who are both undrafted rookies last year, held up pretty well. Right, and they're slated to start right now. It's a weird group. So there's no secret that the Carolina Panthers have some issues at wide receiver. Um, all four of their major contributors at the position left the team and joined uh, teams elsewhere in the offseason. Cam Newton, the team's quarterback, is obviously heard and seen what's been going on, and he spoke out today, uh, this according to the Charlotte Observer. The elephant in the room has already been stated. Those guys have already accepted the challenge, referring to the receivers that are left. You don't have to go in there and tell those guys, hey, you're projected the sorriest receivers in the NFL. We already know. And he goes on and kind of goes down, plays the nobody believes in his card, and says that will be how the Panthers rally around it. And he also goes on to say that People are saying the same thing about us last year and the year before. So Newton, at least publicly, is taking a, a positive outlook and saying that this is not the end of days for the Panthers, that they lost all this talent. No one was calling them the sorriest receivers last year. Yeah, we're I didn't ca- get that. We're, ca- didn't... we're calling them it this year because they are, right? Are they? Uh, Jericho Cotri, Jason Avant, and Kelvin Benjamin, that's probably the worst top three. When your number one receiver is probably best fit as a number three receiver with a contender, that's very bad news. No, I agree with that. So much hinges on Kelvin Benjamin, whether he's the Plexco Burris next-level guy that they expect him to be. If he's that, I mean, I think it took Plex a year or two before he really had a huge impact on the Steelers. So maybe maybe it takes a while, but I think Benjamin holds the whole key here because no one else is a starter-level player. And Benjamin is a guy that's viewed as not a boom or bust, but an intriguing player that is not pro-ready necessarily. There's a lot of parts of his game they say need work. It's not the position you want to have to lean on on a rookie. Did we? No. By the way, did we mention Jason Avant is in the house? Yeah, we, we mentioned did. We did? Jason Avant, he's the man. Jason Avant has got great hands. Jason Avant says, Avant, you catch a lot of balls, yeah. Jason Avant great is Great to a get great that uh, classic tune. <laughs> I was wondering if <laughs> we'd ever be able to work that back in, but it's back. It's not nearly as good as... Jairus Bird. Jairus Byrd. Jairus Byrd. Got to that one in there. I like it, though. Wes. <laughs> That's not a song. Is there is there any other team that even <laughs> competes with the Panthers as the worst group? Because if Benjamin is your number one, I mean, even if he's a 900-yard receiver, 
if he exceeds expectations, I think they're still the worst. I'm not sure who's that close. The Rams? The Browns? Maybe? Yeah. Come if, on. The, if the Browns don't have Josh Gordon. I count Josh Gordon as on their team. He is on their team. He's not going to be on their team. He's, but he probably, there's a good chance he'll play this year. There's a good chance he'll be out for 16 games. Why is, there, wait, why is there a good chance that he'll there, play? There's mixed reporting whether it's going to be the whole year or some Stay of the year. Stay on point, we'll, gentlemen. We'll see. Well, all right, the Browns, you, you're right. The Browns without Gordon. There's nothing there. You and everyone else have been arguing all offseason that Miles Austin is finished. Now you're going to count him as a guy who actually has some upside if things break right? I'm just saying in, Bra- a, in a knife fight, Miles Austin, <laughs> Andrew Hawkins, hey, and Nate Burleson versus Avant, Katri, and Benjamin. Yeah, that's close. It's I close. Think Andrew Hawkins I think we can agree with that. Andrew yes. Hawkins is probably the first one knifed in a knife fight. <laughs> what, are we, what are we arguing? Who's the D minus and who's the D? Yeah, they're, they're, they're right. both crappy. All right, they're the two worst. Congratulations, Mark. You won the argument, I guess. <laughs> More Cam Newton news. Uh, as we know, Colin Kaepernick got that new contract with the Niners. Originally, it looked like a, your typical massive franchise quarterback contract, but as it turns out, uh, it's very unique in the sense that there is not a ton of guaranteed money, and the Niners get to do a more year-to-year plan in terms of uh, progressing with the quarterback going forward. This type of contract is scaring Cam Newton, according to NFL Media Insider, who reported Tuesday on NFL Total Access that Kaepernick's people are really scared uh, because they're under the impression that this could be the way teams now approach uh, contract discussions with uh, franchise QBs. Newton is looking for more guaranteed money than the $13 million, uh, Kaepernick got, and he's looking for more annual salary than Kaepernick got. So he's looking for the type of contract that many people thought Kaepernick would get as opposed to the one he did. And he'll get it. The the minute I saw Kaepernick's contract signed, one of the first things I thought is Cam Newton and Andrew Luck would have never taken this contract. There's no way. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think Cam Newton has anything to worry about. Right, what are they going to do? Right. Have, bring back Jimmy Clausen? I don't think the Kaepernick <laughs> deal was a mold for what's to come, you know, over and over. I mean, it, 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 that was an aberration that I freaked out agents and annoyed people. It could be something, a way, you know, Chris wrote about this, about these middle-tier quarterbacks with Alex Smith and Andy Dalton. It could be a way to get something done with those guys. Maybe get they would accept that type of contract because it feels more like a middle-tier type of deal that you're paying as you go. Sure, but I think the point here is that we're talking about top-tier guys. Right. That, that, those are the ones that are scared this is what's coming for them. And I don't. Th- if you have an agent that agrees to this kind of a deal, you need to rethink that. It's interesting, too, that we just assume Cam and Luck will get paid way more. I mean, Kaepernick has accomplished a lot. I think you get an advantage of being the number one pick to start because you're starting at a higher base. Yeah. And they've played more. All right, gentlemen, let's move on. The Making the Leap series is underway for Around the League. We started it, and we discussed on Monday's show Josh McCown at number 25. Now we move to number 24. <laughs> <laughs> Minnesota Vikings cornerback Xavier Rhodes. Greg Rosenthal wrote about it on the Around the League page. And, Greg, please make the case for Xavier Rhodes making the leap in 2014. I was a little worried when I watched uh, the first half of his season on our uh, Game Rewind that we made a bad choice here, and it was going to be difficult to make the argument. But he closed out the season really strong. And in a division where he's going to have to match up against Brandon Marshall, Alshon Jeffrey. Calvin Johnson, Jordy Nelson. I mean, he's going to be in the spotlight. So this could either go really well 
or go spectacularly wrong. But he was great towards the end of the season, making plays on balls, uh, very physical receiver. Early in the year, he got pushed around a little bit, but he held his own against Brandon Marshall. I thought he had a really good game uh, against the Bears at the end of the season, also breaking up a lot of passes against the Packers. And he's kind of that prototype press man coverage corner. And Mike Zimmer is a big reason why we chose him. Now that Zimmer's there, he's done a great job with defensive backs. And I think Xavier Rhodes takes the leap. Makes the leap. I was going to ask you more about that Zimmer connection. Is there anything you saw in your research where it helps a young cornerback to have Zimmer drawing up the plays or drawing up the scheme? Well, he's always wanted press man uh, cornerbacks. Look, I'm not a scout, but when he struggled in these games, it seemed to be when he was playing off coverage zone, letting guy like Calvin Johnson and a couple of the receivers just would pick up 10 yards routinely because uh, he would play off the guys. What he did well is when he's right on top of them, playing them to the sidelines, he naturally was very good at that, and that's what Zimmer wants, so I think that should help him. And he all, I mean, Zimmer is compiling an improved front seven, which should help any cornerback in that defense, too. He was average last year overall, Rhodes, but that's pretty good for, for a rookie, a rookie cornerback? cornerback. Yeah, that's very good. He was a slightly above average starter, and he was clearly the best player in a secondary that was terrible, but he was clearly the best player in his secondary. So that's that's a w- good way to start. And man, that that's a tough division to play cornerback. I mean, yeah, I was just thinking that you, the top receivers. If he's their number one guy, you have obviously you have Calvin Johnson in Detroit. You have Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey in Chicago. Pick your poison. You have Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb in Green Bay. I mean, if if he does not make the leap, the Vikings are in serious trouble. Yeah, but they're getting they're getting him improving hopefully and then they get Harrison Smith back I don't think he's going to be a guy and there aren't many guys like Joe Hayden that travel that follow top receivers around the field he's probably just going to stay on the left side do his thing there and if he's good they'll just start avoiding him and start throwing to the other side all right let's move on to number 23 on the list a Mark Sessler joint which always gets people excited I quite enjoyed this piece. Um, <laughs> you actually read this. I quite enjoyed it. Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> no no chance. Back. Well, well, no chance. What was your favorite didn't part? Didn't even look at it. Yeah, I what liked, was your favorite part? I liked yeah, Mark's Dan. mixture of analysis and optimism. <laughs> <laughs> that is That came out of left. Seattle Seahawks running back Kristen Michael, number 23. Almost didn't make the list, Mark Sessler says, because of the man in front of him. Well, you know, these this back five of this top 25 countdown, w- there has been some debate, and he missed it initially because of Marshawn Lynch. But after spending a week with the Seahawks at the Super Bowl, they all week long honestly laid out what they were going to do without any deception. They said, we know who we are. This is it. And so when they started talking about Kristen Michaels having a larger role and contributing I, I believe it. And what can, what adds to that is the snippets of tape we started seeing coming out of OTAs where Kristen Michael is breaking ankles left and right, and he's doing things that you can't teach. And he's not going to go and replace Lynch. No one's saying that. But part of one aspect of making the leap is how will he be viewed at the end of this season? And I think he'll be viewed without question as the future of that run-heavy attack. And it's because... Last season as a rookie, not unlike a lot of rookie running backs, he couldn't do the little things well, the details. His pass protection was an issue. And that's not different than maybe David Wilson with the Giants when he was a rookie. But they said that he's shored all that up. He's matured. He's doing the complete job. They want to put him out there on the field. Robert Turbin is destined to be the number three guy behind him by the midseason, if not a lot sooner. 
this guy can make plays. He scored 12 touchdowns in 88 carries as a senior at Texas A&M. He has continually shown that he can break off runs, get to the second level and beyond of a defense. I like him. He's exciting. If I have one reservation about this pick, it's that I don't believe the coaches that he's really that, that much better at doing the little things. I'll be surprised if Turbin doesn't open the season as the passing down back. Hmm. And I think Michael will probably be the change of pace guy. They maybe work him in a series here and a series there. That would, my, that would be my one hesitation on this pick. He's the type of guy, though, if he gets eight or ten touches in a game, let's just say a random week two game, you could see him popping off some crazy runs, and then the coaches just feel like, we got to get him on the field. Yeah, I, I think that's totally fair. Yeah, and that's what we mentioned was like the, the his best case is that he starts doing things where the Seahawks, and they and John Schneider, the GMs, called him one of the top two most explosive players on the team. Pete Carroll said he was his pick to be a breakout guy this season. They're seeing stuff that in practice that tells them we have to put this guy on the field if he can pay off. He's going to have a role. One of my favorite guys in the media is Lewis Riddick on ESPN, who's He's really good. sharp, yeah. has been in front offices. He thinks Michael is the most talented running back to be drafted in the last five years. That's a bold wow. statement. <laughs> I mean, he had off the field. He got suspended wow. at Texas a for a game. He had issues there. But he also he played because of what he could do. He has totally freaky combine numbers. That Everything points to him being – they called him – the trainer to Texas A&M said he was – more explosive than Adrian Peterson. See, and you, and you were saying, uh, you know, maybe 100 carries, something like that. It, it really wouldn't surprise me if this becomes more of a, a committee. It makes all the sense in the world to do that Spurs-like thinking, rest Lynch a little bit in the regular season, get Michael in there like the Seahawks needed another weapon. It's crazy. If he's as good as we're saying he is, then the Seahawks aren't going to lose much when, when Lynch is resting. No. They're still going to be the best team in the division or whatever. Anybody spooked by the spelling of his first name? Yes. Has there ever been a successful NFL player with the spelling that sounds like Christine? That's why he dropped uh, in the draft. He could shift to Chris. <laughs> That's why he dropped in yeah, the draft? Yeah, people had a reservation. In fact, I... It was confusing. Is he number one on making the leap if he's Chris Michael? I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> I'm just throwing it The good there. news for you, Dan, is you no longer will feel any obligation to read this piece because we've just <laughs> laid out the bullets for you. I told you, I really enjoyed that mixture of analysis and optimism. But that's a Sessler trademark. Also allusions to water. Water, water darkness, darkness. Uh, forests. <laughs> Things Wouldn't of that nature. <laughs> Wage on, next story. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, so that is it for our Making the Leap talk for today. We're going to keep rolling all the way down to number one. And who will be number one? I know people are talking about it. There's buzz. Nobody knows. I certainly don't. Can I make a suggestion? You will read it anyway. Uh, Golden Tate. (laughs) (laughs) I think he was on the list last year, wasn't he? He was. Of course, that reminds us of one of... Didn't really make the leap, but... One of the gold standards... $30 million contract says he did. One of the gold standards (laughs) greatest hits... Was uh, in our first game of uh, Go Get My Lunch. The uh, the last part's supposed to be Oh, applied. sorry. Y- w- yours was Golden Tate related, was it? Yeah, I believe it was uh, Golden Tate to the Titans. Mm, and yeah. It didn't quite work out. No. 
you know, you win some, you lose I some. But like I maintain that if the Titans have a bad season this year, it's all because they didn't get Golden Tate. So. You're you're very Titan centric, it seems like. In I many think ways. we've been as a podcast in a lot of ways. We we all sort of <laughs> really? recognize. Their, I thought we were Titans phobic on this podcast. Uh, well, I don't know. They have sort of a comfortable middling nature to them. <laughs> That's true. That should be we their like motto that. this year. Yeah. Root for the Titans. We're a comforting middling outfit. There we go. Um. All right. So Chris Wessling. Yes, sir. Uh, on Tuesday, you wrote a piece about Peyton Manning uh, and how much time he has left, really, to be get to that. He's been to three Super Bowls now. He's won one. He wants to win that second one. I think we all kind of are on the same page, or maybe we're not, that if Manning gets that second Super Bowl win, in addition to all his numbers, a lot of people are going to be comfortable saying he's the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. So that's where the stakes are at if you're into it as a historical situation. And I think we know that Peyton Manning does look at football that way, and he wants to be seen that way. Uh, Chris Wessling, what is your what was your take on Manning in 2014? I think a lot of people see the Broncos as a, as a franchise that is all in for 2014, that they're mortgaging the future to win now. And I feel like he's got three more years left on his contract, and there's a good chance he plays all three more years. He has said it doesn't really – it's not really concerned to him going out on top like Elway did. So even if they win the Super Bowl, he might well play another one or two years. Uh, and he's, he also said his body feels as good now as it ever has. It doesn't seem like a guy ta- thinking about retirement. And, you know, 37-year-old season – was the best of his career. So why even think about retirement? I think he loves football. I think it, that's very obvious. So it makes sense to me that he's going to – and he signed that massive contract uh, to join the Broncos two years ago. So as long as he's still effective, he's going to keep playing, and that's three more years. And How, really, they're the class of the AFC once again. There's nobody really even close to them. And outside of Manning, looking at their roster, do we think that their window is closing? You know what I'm saying? No, I mean, do we think this is a all. roster they're, that's going to look good? I think they're a much stronger roster now than the team that went to the Super Bowl. Great. Anyway, Chris just nailed it. The AFC, which you know, five years ago had a like a flurry of hot teams, it, outside of a Patriots team that is equally in question in terms of its ability to go long term with with someone like Tom Brady. Who is going to challenge Denver this season? I mean, th- someone is always going to pop up, but we're talking about on paper here in June. They are heads and tails, a team that went out, fixed their top weaknesses, and it's not fair to look at aging players like Manning and, and presume that an injury is going to sideswipe him. If one doesn't, he'll play three years. Remember when he was getting ready for his first season with the Broncos, the whole question was, can he even make it through a season? Will he really be the guy that he was before? Is this just going to be one year? The Broncos drafted Brock Osweiler because of that, because they had no idea. They made this contract year to year because of that. But but Wes is right, I think. Now that we've seen what he can do, there's been no drop-off. I remember in fantasy leagues, people didn't want to take him that year because we just thought, oh, well, Peyton Manning's not going to be good anymore. There's been no drop-off. There's not really any reason to think he won't play for a while unless he takes a big hit. Here's the flip side of it if you want to look at what could happen. I mean, he just turned... 38 in March, and I know we all view Manning as, you know, godlike, and he really has been, but 38 is, that's a ripe age for a quarterback, and we look at the Broncos as a team that might be better than last year's team, but then you're also, on some level, you're putting in an assumption that Manning will do what he did last year, which I don't think he's going to come close to the numbers he did last year, and not just because 
I think he's less of a player because I don't necessarily think that. But just that was one of those special crazy seasons where everything kind of came together and it worked perfectly. I, I don't see him being – I see him going back more to the type of production than he had in his first year with Denver, which is still awesome. But that's going to make them not as good a team potentially because he's not going to be playing at an all-time super level that he did last year, in my opinion. He could he could throw 15 fewer touchdowns than he did last year and still lead the league. Right. Yeah, he threw 55 and they can win as year. many games with a more complete team. And they he, have a much better defense on paper this year than they did last year. And he's year. comfortable being a late career Chad Pennington. He already is that guy a little bit. I mean, he's winning the game from up here from his mind. He's not winning it because of a big arm. And that and I think that's why Brady has a chance to last a few more years too because they're playing a mental game. It's not about their physical skills. Well, let's get into that then. Let's talk about Manning is a guy that this is, you know, perhaps his last best chance entering his age 38 season. Why don't we go around the room and nominate another player who is maybe a little older, who is still a uh, very talented and productive player, but maybe this will be their last chance to make a real run, whether it's at a Super Bowl or to be an All-Pro. What's this segment called again? What did I call it? It was awesome. Come on! Uh, it was a window. Oh, wait, wait, How do you not winding, remember wait, it? Hang on. Dan is going to. Does Shakespeare have to look at his notes to remember the title of Hamlet? I mean, Sorry. give me a break. <laughs> How are we calling Father Time dropping a hammer? <laughs> no, it is window odd dressing. Because we're addressing the window. Goldstein, you're going to miss that. I know it. Oh, yeah. That. I'm going to have to hit you up for puns regularly. <laughs> got to go to the note. You got it. $3 per pun. All right, so <laughs> let's uh, – I'll start it out since his name – I'll pay already... you $3 to stop the pun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll start it out since you mentioned Tom Brady, uh, Greg Rosenthal, the boss. I will nominate Brady as someone that I still believe will be a top-flight top player in 2014, but I think this is probably the last time you're going to really view him as that type of player – I know that he played great by the end of the season, but he also, when you looked at his final numbers last year, uh, he trended downward in almost every major statistic. So I kind of see him as somebody that not quite late period Dan Marino yet. And I think you're going to see that next year when he's really going to start the age because he's moving slower and slower and he's gonna, it's going to become a bigger issue. I mean, he took 40 sacks last year, which is the second most of his career and the most in over a decade. I think his mobility will continue to haunt him. And, uh, you know, just the general signs of uh, wear and tear as a player ages. So Tom Brady will continue to be Tom Brady this year, maybe at a maybe a little bit of a lesser level, but still enough to lead a Super Bowl type team. But this is it for Tom Brady, in my opinion. It's patently absurd. Go ahead. Tell me why. <laughs> yeah. My number one pet peeve <laughs> is judging quarterbacks when they're missing all of their wide receivers. They've got a, uh, a right tackle down. The, the the offensive talent is depleted, and you're holding him to the standards of when he was the best player in the NFL. Well, he wasn't as good, though, e- th- even if you throw out the, re- the, the receiver issue. And who what, who was playing in the AFC Championship game? But he's a good quarterback, but he wasn't as good two years ago as he was earlier in his career. To argue that he's at the same level 
as when he was at his peak is also absurd to me. From people and that, if you watch the game, he's not as good as he was. How could he? He's 37 years old. He missed more throws, throws last year, but he's still one of the top three or four quarterbacks in the but NFL. I think you're missing my point, too, is that I still think he's going to be a great quarterback, but he's not going to continue for, forever, and he is downward trending at a, a moderate level. I think everybody is making way too much of this downward trend. It's just a very small percentage. And the question isn't he isn't as good as he was. None of these players that we're going to bring up. Well, Manning is a Manning outlier. seems like Manning it, is almost. not as good as he was. Well, he wasn't, Ma- but Manning's skill set is he not what best, it was. Again, we're going back to surrounding talent. He had the best surrounding talent of maybe any quarterback outside of Brady's 2017. That's One thing, why he was better. We Dan has made some uh, bold predictions on this show before, and we've laughed him off. <laughs> and then, bang, five months later, we're telling him, hey, remember when Dan nailed this? I don't True. think that's the case here, only because I... Well, I'm not, gonna laugh I like off. the setup, though. No, I like no, no. the setup. I, I just appreciate said, I'm not going to just shrug off Dan's prediction, but I look back to that game he won against the Saints, the way he orchestrated that drive and from the neck up with, with a minute and a half to go. There's just only so many guys can do that. That's not going away. And the talent around him was subpar. Look at what he had compared to, 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 to Manning. I mean, it's just absurd. Well, I also agree it is not going away. But I think at a certain point, father time takes over for everyone. And I think that age and a decline will after this season. I just think this is it for Brady. If he wants to get back position, to the Super Bowl, this is it. Right, Fa- father at- time has taken more from Peyton Manning than Tom Brady. If you put Tam- Tom Brady in the, in the Broncos offense last year, he has the same numbers as as Manny, maybe better. Oh no! I, I think why that, not? I think that's fair. But what Father Time has done is make Brady not as confident in the pocket, and that's because of his ACL injury, or that's just because he's taken a lot of hits. He was the best, I think, maybe in NFL history in terms of pocket presence and moving around with guys around him. And now he sees ghosts sometimes. Uh, he ducks when guys aren't there. That's not a huge strength of his game anymore. And I think we're so caught on these guys as legends that you never want to see them decline a little bit. It's going to happen. They have to get old. They can't beat back the odds in father time forever. And it's going it to happen very soon. It happens soon. swiftly with quarterbacks when it happens. It has to happen somewhat soon. And I think it's fair to say Brady has already started declining a little bit. I don't think it's that crazy. This is you I'm trying side, to, as a Patriots fan, yeah, right? you know. I, I don't know. I'm, I'll take it. I'm preparing mentally. I'm preparing mentally. Because last time that Wes and Greg, were, uh, Wes and Mark are going against me, Greg left me hanging. This time he's with me, and I appreciate I'm, that. I'm with you. Let's move on then. Mark Sessler, nominate. All right, I'm going to go. I think that's a bad choice. Well, uh, now hold on. <laughs> Mine is based a lot on situation, and it's Frank Gore, and it's because. I think Frank Gore is still going to be productive as a player for a number of more years, but he's not going to be on the 49ers, I don't believe, after this season. And so then he's going to go sign a contract with a team whose Super Bowl window not only isn't open, just isn't even years from even existing. And then suddenly he's not on the radar anymore. He's pounding away for, who knows, some team on the NFC South somewhere. I, I, Gore is a good player, but if you're not attached to him in that 49ers offense... The, his scenario dims for a championship. I like what you did there. You just ensured that the Around the League podcast will be played by Frank Gore every time he goes to work out. <laughs> <laughs> I like That's that. inspiration now. But Our, I'm not telling you that he's declining. I'm th- If he doesn't re-sign with the 49ers, that's what I'm saying is the issue. One of our uh, former editors, Ryan Macchignana, interviewed, is a boxing writer also, interviewed Frank Gore for a very nice feature article that just went up on our site today. And that was one of the takeaways, that Frank Gore 
every time he goes to work out, pulls up his phone, takes out a video of an ESPN analyst saying this is going to be his last good season, and uses that as fuel every time he goes to pump iron. Right. Are we are we ripping Frank Gore here, though? No. I thought I no. heard you say that that might be his last good year. If he's not on the 49ers, right. I don't think this will be his last good year by any stretch. It's situational. The inconvenient gotcha. truth, Greg Rosenthal's favorite player. Do you have a uh, comment on him? I love that article. It says it really well if you guys go on the site and read it. And it, I thought it was interesting. His teammates, including uh, Marcus Lattimore, thinks he's the smartest football player uh, that he's ever met, which is interesting because Gore was known coming out of college for struggling on the wonder look, and it just shows how stupid that test is because everyone that's been around Frank Gore says he's one of the smartest football players that they've ever played with. And I think this could be his last year in San Francisco. It wouldn't surprise me. I don't think Mark's out on a huge limb there. Uh, but, man, I would love nothing more to see the Inconvenient Truth make a little Super Bowl run. I think he's going to close this window. I don't know what that means. Yeah, I don't know. That's some good window eye dressing. Greg, <laughs> your guy. Well, my guy's not someone that's been at the top of the game like Frank Gore or Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, but I'm going to choose Carson Palmer. And mm, I just find him a really interesting tasty. guy this year in general because he's been a, the butt of jokes uh, for the last few years, and he's played for some awful teams in Cincinnati and Oakland. But this is a guy that was a number one pick of the draft. It was a guy people thought was a top three NFL quarterback for a brief window there. They thought it was Brady Manning and then Carson Palmer. And here he is with all this talent around him. And he's still much, you know, he's younger than Brady and Manning by a handful yeah. of years. I think he's still got a chance. If ever Carson Palmer was going to make you think differently about how his career has been a disappointment, this is the year. And I, I think he has a shot to do I, it. I agree with you because I, while I think none of us are sold on Carson Palmer, being the guy to lead the Cardinals to the top of the NFC West. If you're ever going to make a case, it's it's going to be now with this team, with Larry Fitzgerald still somewhat still Larry Fitzgerald and with the, the defense, although we know the defense has taken some hits. Uh, Palmer, at this age, this is the time to make the run. And you, you, get, you get a feeling that if he doesn't make significant gains, the Cardinals could be looking in a different direction after this season. So he understands that, and that's pretty heavy motivation. He might as well have changed his name because he's just not the same player he was before the ACL injury and the, and the elbow injury. Mm. He's he should a different change his player. name to Jordan Palmer. Is that taken? <laughs> no, he, can, he can wow you, though. I mean, if he was a college prospect coming out, he would have all those wow plays that would get scouts excited and get him drafted high. Still, he, he makes three or four throws every game that not many quarterbacks can make. I think people look forget that. He can get on little runs where he looks like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Wes, we'll close with you. A little window odd dressing. <laughs> Reggie Wayne coming off an Ooh, ACL injury. Ooh, I like that. The Colts are a contender. They kind of need him. T.Y. Hilton's a different kind of receiver. We don't know what Hakeem Nix is going to do after a down season in New York. And... Andrew Luck has called Reggie Wayne a freak when it comes to working out his ACL injury and his rehabilitation, but he's going to be 35 years old, and I don't know. It just seems like they drafted uh, Moncrief, Dante Moncrief in the third round. seems like they were drafting him to be Wayne's replacement. It seems like he might be looking at the last chance here for him to be a number one receiver. But, you, but do you think he would not be on the roster a year from now? Is that what you're hinting I think at? that's possible. Hmm. 35 years old coming off a torn ACL, that usually means you're about done. Yeah. I know he's broken all the rules, but that's usually what it means. The wide receivers over 35 years old, it's 
there are few and far between how many have thir- a thousand yard season in there. So it's it's quite possible that the window already shut on him, and it's kind of sad for such a great player. But to blow out your knee at that age and have to come back from that, it, it's, it could already be over for Reggie Wayne. Could be. You want to write the story for him? It would be as maybe he's a lesser player, but he's still a key role player on a team that could go win a title. I think they have a shot. Why not? All right, gentlemen. So that is it for today's episode of the Around the League podcast. As we mentioned earlier, the great gold standard. This is his last show. It's been a great run. We're hoping to see if he cries here. Are you going to cry? Yeah, I am. It's already begun. Waterworks back here. (laughs) It's time for you to make your final statement in front of a microphone (laughs) with the NFL. Mm. Uh, Before you move on, the floor is yours. Yeah, and not. I don't want to put any added pressure. When Crystal did this, K. Rich, we were all in tears afterwards. All right, I'll do my best. (laughs) Well, it's been a long road. It's been a uh, wonderful ride akin to the Geno Coaster, I would say. Uh, Some ups, some downs, but always uh, greeted with four smiles. So thank you guys for having me. I've really enjoyed myself. Thank you to all of you who have let me into your homes and cars and treadmills. Uh, It's been a true blast. Uh, I've learned a lot about football from... Phil Dawson to Jairus Bird. Bird. Exactly. (laughs) I now uh, would consider myself an expert on the topic, but I couldn't have done it without you guys. Thank you so much for having me, and uh, I hope that it's not the end of our journey together. As Bert Cooper said when he uh, watched the moon landing, bravo. Nice job. (laughs) And like Bert Cooper, you have now died in the eyes of the Around the League podcast. (laughs) Spoiler. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. Spoiler. Deal with it. Um, and we move on to our ninth producer. <laughs> <laughs> and we will unveil that new producer on uh, on Friday's show. So, of course, tune in for that, the gold standard. Uh, we loved having you, and best of luck. And enjoy the World Cup. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Appreciate that. And, that's what it's all about. And a lot of uh, <laughs> listeners are rightfully upset that the gold standard is leaving us. Um, but I think they should understand he's going on to bigger and better things. I am convinced the gold standard will be all of our bosses in 10, 15 <laughs> years. We'll be running some sort of large international sports corporation. Conglomerate of if some I had kind. To, if, I had to, if you want to you know, put some stocking on the gold standard right now, if you can. Now we're really building Thanks, the pressure guys. up. You better not fail, buddy. <laughs> nope. All right, so that's it. So we're, uh, we're moving on, but gold standard will always be on the train with us. Signing off, this is Dan Hansis for the mailman, the sizzler, the boss, and one last time, the gold standard behind the glass. Until Friday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish 
Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come.